What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk podcast. It's time for us to talk about WWE Super Showdown 2020 happening this Thursday afternoon. We will be breaking down all of the matches that's on the card, what we expect to happen, who we think is going to win, all the other kind of things that go along with that. And who are we? We should know by now, but if you don't, you're brand new or anything like that. I am your host, as always, Tony Mango. Joining me, as always, I've got Robert E. Felice. Hello. And Callum Wiggins. Blood Money, yeah. Blood Money 2020. Blood money, money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Blood but it's money. uh it's like bad blood, you know, like you'll add like an extra letter or something. <laughs> yeah, it's bad blood money. <laughs> not that good blood money. Uh not the one that um Sam Punk and uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, obviously we've talked about plenty of Saudi Arabia shows in the past, and um, it's kind of the, what was this the sixth that they've done the fifth, fifth one, right? Greatest Royal Rumble, Crown Jewel, Super Showdown, Crown Jewel, Super Showdown. Yeah, yeah. So fifth one here, five out of um, ten that they had, or twenty that they had in their uh, deal, but. These are continuing, and it's kind of following a lot of the same patterns as what we've seen some of the other ones in the past. We've got some kind of a gimmick match that's for a prize that doesn't really matter. We've got an old star coming back. We've got some titles on the line. We've got some rematches, some things that we know aren't really the biggest thing in the world, but some chances that they can actually change things up a little bit because these do have some weight to them, and it is the road to WrestleMania, so there is a chance that we get some you know, some mix-ups along the way and everything like that. So, yeah, we got seven matches, I think, on the card right now, if I'm, my math is correctly, and if I'm just staring at this the, the right way. And there's a chance as well that they might include something on the spot, but they're doing this a little bit differently. And this is kind of the first topic I want to talk to you guys about. Do you feel the same way that I do, that this feels significantly more rushed, significantly less big of a deal than the other ones have been and more along the lines of like a fast lane rather than one of these quote unquote big Saudi Arabia shows. I think that there is truth to that, but also this might be the most consequential of all the Saudi shows so far. Yeah. I kind of had that impression as well. This kind of feels like an actual show rather than a house show. It's still probably going to, come across as a house show but it feels like okay there's actually some some stakes to this one some titles might change hands some things might happen for the most part they did some stuff to set up pretty much every match that's on here which sometimes they haven't done that in the past and this time around we don't have the whole press conference we don't have this um kind of advanced promotion i mean they they had said that the Super Showdown thing would happen, and it was like still January, and we weren't sure when in February it was going to happen. Is it going to happen the 20th? Is it going to happen the 27th? That kind of a thing. Just feels a little last minute to me. And when we had switched up the whole, well, we, like, you know, we were doing it. Uh, Fastlane usually comes around Elimination Chamber, and then they decided that they were going to change TakeOver and replace that with Worlds Collide, and then they're going to add this, and they're going to add that, and switch that around and all that. It just gives me this feeling that this is like this is fast lane, and it just happens to be happening in Saudi Arabia. And to to a certain extent, I'm kind of wondering 
why they didn't just call it Fastlane. But then again, if they've built up this idea that Super Showdown is the uh, name that they go with for international events and stuff, then, hey, you know, they have the graphics already set up and all that, too. So, you know. Also, if they called it Fastlane, they'd have to have the subtitle of women could be here now. Yeah, true. <laughs> Well, it's, it it's secretly funny because it's also you can have a women's match and also women can drive in the fast lane now in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Unless they're not allowed over a certain speed because, well, don't want to don't go too far, obviously. <laughs> um, can, can, I, can I quickly say fuck this company for having shows in this country? <laughs> I think we're going to get more of that as we go along. And for other reasons to oh, complain yeah, about, too. But it's, it's, I mean, of all times to do it as well, because I don't know if you guys are aware of this, because it's, it's kind of gone a little bit under the radar, but do you know what the coronavirus is? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> that hasn't gone under the radar. <laughs> so, do, well, do you know that it's currently, there's they're preventing flights from around like the Gulf countries because there's an outbreak going on in those areas now? Oh, boy. Well, you got to figure there's there, there needs to be a new problem which with each one of these you know, the first time it was just the idea that they were doing it the second time it was that journalist oh, sure. who was unfortunately murdered and then you got like the travel issues and you've got like you, you know now add in the uh the coronavirus too like by the time we get the crown jewel there'll be another thing probably it'll be armageddon you know well they haven't done that people for you in a while <laughs> Uh, no, this would be the greatest Armageddon. <laughs> the Armageddonist of them all or something. I mean, they, they haven't learned their lesson either because it's happening on a Thursday, which means they're going to have to travel back quickly to get Smackdown the day afterwards. And the last time they did that, half the roster didn't turn up because they were stuck in Saudi Arabia. Well, I'd argue so, that they did learn their they're lesson. they're still using Atlas Air. They're still using the same fucking charter plane company. I think they did learn their lesson enough that, which is why we don't see a lot of things happening on this card. Like we don't have Braun Strowman defending the Intercontinental Title against Shinsuke Nakamura. They very easily could have done something like that Symphony of Destruction match here, but they chose to do it on SmackDown. We don't have any of those participants showing up on this card. There's a lot of people on SmackDown that's missing, and I feel like the reason why is because they want to keep them in the states, so that way they know that like. You know, if push comes to shove and, like, King Corbin, Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt, etc. aren't able to actually show up, they could do something for those two hours and have Elias versus Shinsuke Nakamura, Braun Strowman against Cesaro. That, that'll eat up the majority of an hour. And then they could have Lacey Evans against... Uh, Dana Brooke and you know like they can play around with that a little bit I think especially I was kind of hoping they'd take a lot of them and that means that they'd be uh, you'd have to take all the NXT people and put them on Smackdown because that's the last time Smackdown had a good episode yeah (laughs) but I mean we don't have Sheamus on here we don't have Shorty G Apollo Crews so you can expect that that'll be something that happens next uh, Smackdown some kind of an extra women's match, whether it's, you know, the, the fire desire against uh bliss and cross or, you know, whatever. Like they, they kept enough people off the SmackDown side of things that I think that they learned their lesson from there, but that doesn't apply going, to, so they haven't learned their lesson. They haven't learned and all they the lessons. They haven't been paid. They haven't paid them for a single show yet. 
That's crazy. That's a different type of lesson to learn. Um, but here's something that's different from the last couple that I'm very confused about. No Mansoor. He'll be there. Actually, he's traveling. He might be on like a kickoff show or something like that. It, I mean, it's Tuesday right now, and they haven't announced anything else other than What's those seven it? matches. Unless let me don't, just double check WWE.com because maybe they'll be like, "Hey, fuck you! You're doing a podcast. Here's an extra thing." Just kind of like how they just randomly said that Samojo just got uh, suspended. But um, yeah, I don't see anything else yet added into this card. But Mansoor had been featured at three of these shows. I mean, the one of them, it was his signing and they did that whole thing with the Davari, uh, come out to the promo and yeah, they did all that. He won the biggest battle Royal. He beat Cesaro. I was just assuming, you know, Hey, every Saudi Arabia show, Mansoor is going to be a part of it in some fashion. He might not win everything. He might not be in a, a singles match or something, but I would assume that he would have been a part of all of it. And for them to have something like this, uh, to wake trophy gauntlet match and for him to not be in it. That's, uh, I'm kind of curious why maybe they do announce it on the spot. Maybe it's something like, well, we didn't announce that ahead of time and all that. But guess what? Everybody Montour is here and everybody goes crazy because he is, you know, popular in that area and everything. And he's good too. Like I'm I'm I've enjoyed the guy in most of his matches, so I kind of want to see him be a part of it. But at least as far as, you know, uh, 20 of 4 on Tuesday, they haven't announced anything. If they put him on the card, how do you think that they're going to do it? It would just be a singles match against some random person they also brought along. He'll beat Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, something like that. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it was Dolph Ziggler or, or someone like just bring Apollo Crews along or bring some 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 either babyface who it doesn't really matter really. Bring uh, Angel Girls, they'd probably get a good match out of it. Uh, but yeah, I don't think he'll be added to any of the existing matches on the card. Be funny if he beat the Fiend. He will <laughs> one day. Could happen. Uh, so the seven matches that we have on the card, let me just run them down very quickly, then we'll kind of backtrack and start talking about each one uh, individually. We have The Fiend Bray Wyatt against Goldberg for the Universal Championship. We have Brock Lesnar defending the WWE Championship against Ricochet. The Two Wake Trophy Gauntlet match featuring AJ Styles, Andrade, Bobby Lashley, Eric Rowan, R-Truth, and Rey Mysterio. That has changed. A steel cage match between Ken Corbin and Roman Reigns. The SmackDown tag titles are on the line with the New Day against John Morrison and The Miz. The SmackDown Women's Championship is on the line, Bailey and Naomi. And the Raw Tag Team Championship is going to be contested with the Street Profits challenging Seth Rollins and Murphy. So uh, I'll just pick a random one. Let's talk about that one, I guess. Uh, Seth Rollins and Murphy against the Street Profits. That match hadn't had the biggest amount of build compared to some of the other ones, but they did do a run-in thing, and Street Profits had their matches this week against them on separate kind of uh, occasions. Rollins beats Montez Ford. Murphy loses to Angela Dawkins by DQ. I was originally thinking that this was going to be a scenario where they would change hands, and the Street Profits would win, so that way they would get the option to have Street Profits versus AOP versus Viking Raiders at WrestleMania, but I'm not quite sure that's the case anymore. And 
the thing that kind of changed my mind about that was the whole referee thing on Raw. I had thought ahead of time, maybe they get rid of the title on Rollins, maybe they don't, and it kind of depends on their plans at WrestleMania. Now I'm sort of thinking, I don't even know if they give a shit. We could just not get the Raw tag team titles on the line, period, at WrestleMania. And at that point, if that happens, there's no need to take the title off of Rollins. Murphy having a title goes well with Murphy. Rollins having a title makes it seem like he's a little bit more important, even though it's just the tag titles and we know that they don't care. But if they're not going to do something like IOP, Street Profits, Viking Raiders, then there's no need to take the titles off of them. And if we get Rollins versus Owens in a regular match, he could just be the champion and the Raw tag team titles aren't defended. It kind of depends on whether or not they need to have that extra match on the card. And right now, I'm leaning more towards Rollins and Murphy going to Mania as tag champs, and the belts just aren't defended, so they just they just win here. How you guys feeling? I think this will be the best wrestled match on the card, unless there's something really slipping my mind, because Dawkins and Ford, specifically Ford, are really good in the ring. Uh, Murphy is always good. Rollins is always good. Rollins, like I said in the hot tags, he's not doing anything groundbreaking here, but it's really good work, and he seems like he's having a lot of fun. I'm not sold that the Profits don't win here, but I'm going to go with Rollins and Murphy just to play it safe. Yeah, I think this, this should be, at the very least, a good match. Uh, the Street Profits, uh, Angelo Dawkins and Monte Ford, especially Angelo Dawkins is good in the ring. And uh, just just lampooning on Rob there a little bit. Because Monte Ford is good, but he's green. And Angelo Dawkins has a bit more robustness to him, I feel. It's it's an advantage to watch. Well, it's good to watch this match because it means that Seth Rollins has to shut up and just do stuff in the ring, which is what he's good at. And... Yeah, I've, I assume this will be a decently well-wrestled tag team match. I think Rollins and Murphy will retain, not because I feel like they're going to walk into WrestleMania with the Raw Tag Team Championships, because I feel when they drop it, it will be because Kevin Owens screws Seth Rollins over to That's continue true. their build over. And so they will drop the title to the Street Profits. It just will happen at a venue which Kevin Owens will be appearing at, and we know that he doesn't travel to the Saudi Arabia shows. Yeah, I mean, and we do have... Literally a couple days later is Elimination Chamber. So they could yeah. just do some mm-hmm. kind of thing where Rollins and Murphy retain here through some kind of nefarious means, whether they like hold the tights or yeah, some kind of a turnbuckle thing or interference or something. And then they could just on the next episode of Raw just be like, hey, you, you know, you fucked us over. We want another match. And then, okay, well, we're going to do that at Elimination Chamber. And then they do that. They could very easily do that. Yeah. So just to reiterate, I feel like Rollins and Murphy won't be champions by the time WrestleMania comes around, but I don't think they're losing it here. So I'd go with them as my prediction. All right. So that's all for Rollins and Murphy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. There was a short time frame where I thought that there was a chance Bailey would drop the SmackDown Women's Championship to Naomi. And my reasoning for it was mostly they just might want a title change to happen. And it might be the type of thing where they're looking for history to be made. And like Bailey drops the title and we get like the women's championship changes hands in Saudi Arabia and all that. 
just for Bailey to win the title back, but that seems a little convoluted. And them showing the whole thing with Lacey Evans and her talking about the Elimination Chamber pointed me more in the direction of just, okay, Bailey's just going to retain here because there had been some rumors that Naomi would fight Bailey at WrestleMania. And I didn't fully believe that to begin with. I still think that that makes no sense at all. But even more so, Bailey and Naomi happening here makes me think they can't possibly do that at WrestleMania and expect people to really care. Because if you got Bailey and Naomi happening at Super Showdown and you did an elimination chamber and Naomi just won that, and then it's like, don't just do that again. I think everybody, even the people that are invested in the uh, like this side of things, would just be like, I just put it on the fucking pre-show. You know, like, it's just not... Uh, Naomi's great. And Bailey, uh, this whole heel turn thing hasn't worked out all that well. I don't feel like Naomi's as good enough as elevating the Bailey situation as she would need to be. And I don't feel like Bailey's in a spot to make Naomi feel like she's a insanely great challenger for this WrestleMania caliber match type thing. I'm more so thinking Sasha Banks wins the elimination chamber and they rushed this Carmella and Naomi thing just to get it out of the way. Like let's do the Carmella thing. Bailey beats her. Let's do the Naomi thing that gives Naomi something that she can really be proud of because she wrestled in Saudi Arabia, but Bailey beats her now she's beaten everybody. She beat Bliss, Cross, uh, Evans, Naomi, and Carmella, and Dana Brooke. There's nobody other than Sasha Banks, and then she wins the Elimination Chamber, and we go with that. So I got Bailey retaining here. I feel like this is a pretty strong indication of that. Um, this This one scares me. I, I'll be I'll fully admit I don't know much about the culture in Saudi Arabia, but I know that they're not that open towards women competing in general, and I'm not sure if that changes depending on the person's skin color. And knowing the way it is here for some people, I'm even more scared when you take it into a country like Saudi Arabia because I would hate for, like last time they were throwing bottles at the women, I hate for something to actually connect. I'd hate for it to be just a bad scene. Like, I this one scares me for those reasons. Outside of that, I kind of see this being what you guys thought the tag team match would be. I think Bailey wins by shenanigans. And they carry this thing through Mania, even though it's not what I want to see. So Bailey wins. Naomi gets it at Mania. Yeah, I feel fairly the same way. I'm not super worried about the security aspects of it. I'm worried about how this match... I'm more interested, not so much worried, about how this match is going to be wrestled. Because based on that Natalia-Lacey Evans match, I'm worried if they're going to try and make this a very, oh, catch as catch can, let's like do some stuff in the ring but not look like we're actually trying to really hurt each other or be super aggressive because that's not what they want they want to see quote unquote 
it's more like just I'm I'm worried if, wondering if they're going to shake hands before doing it and they're going to raise each other's hands at the end of it no matter who wins that sort of bullshit. But maybe they'll be able to avoid that. I feel definitely like definitely not seeing a rear view. I get that. You know that's not happening. No. Nah. I don't know. I, I mean think we still might. I mean the, the the costumes will be obviously fairly different as well because they'll be having to wear like cover up the entire body as well. So. I don't know how that's going to impact the quality of the match as well, but I, I, I'm not looking forward to it in terms of like match quality as well because I've never been a huge fan of Naomi in the ring and Bailey as a heel was boring. So I don't think the match is going to be particularly good. And yeah, Bailey will probably retain. I think the match with Naomi will still happen at WrestleMania because, and I think I've said this multiple times in like previous build-ups to WrestleMania, not every match at WrestleMania needs to be a draw. And some people just want to see Naomi. It's not a huge amount of people, but some people just would be happy to see Naomi win the title at WrestleMania. And yeah, it's not going to put probably put any more numbers on people on the viewership of it. But frankly, nobody's there to watch that match anyway. They're there to watch the three or four matches at the top of the card. Pretty much like every show. Yeah, that's fair. And it's like, this is just a match that needs to happen to, because people will be up in fits if the SmackDown Women's Championship or any Women's Championship isn't defended on the card. And, yeah, they need somebody to do it. And it's just down to the fact that they haven't built up anybody on the SmackDown roster to be kind of a, a worthy enough challenger. The only like worthy challengers we've spoken about is Sasha Banks, but that's a very that'll be a very rushed build because she hasn't even shown it a sign of turning on Bailey, let alone like I know just winning the chamber could put be make like position it as that sort of that's the breaking point. But yeah, I I still don't feel like that adds anything to. It. I don't think if you do Bailey versus Sasha Banks that adds any more quote-unquote value or any more interest into WrestleMania than Bailey versus Naomi because nobody's there to see those ma- that match anyway. I think more people, if you just tell them Bailey versus Naomi or Bailey versus Banks, more people are going to be into it if it's Bailey and Banks. Oh yeah, that's true, but that's not going to change. The, it's not going to change. Oh, I wasn't going to watch WrestleMania, but now they're doing Bailey versus Banks, so I'm going to watch it. No, it's but that sort. Callum I, is 100% right here, just because like for somebody like me, it'd be a bigger draw. If it was Sasha, it doesn't mean that that match is going to mean anything yeah. anyway, because it and, is WrestleMania. And I, to- I totally get that the Sasha Banks thing is more of an interesting matchup, and I would prefer to see that, and I'm pretty sure, as you say, most people would prefer to see it. I just don't think... I would rather they... If, if I had the knowledge or the foresight, and obviously this is giving them a lot of credit, which I don't know if I should be giving or not, but if I had the understanding or the faith that they're going to build a story like build the t- use that to kind of as the catalyst to build the breakup between Sasha Banks and Bailey and they actually have a well-told story that leads to I don't know a SummerSlam or something like that and that's where they have that match I would rather that than them just essentially kicking off the feud at WrestleMania it's yeah, wild I mean, to me that they haven't had a one-on-one match on pay-per-view here's the thing I'm going to steal that from Rob uh I, of course, would love to see. I mean, uh, let me put it this way: Bailey versus Sasha Banks does not matter to me. 
I yeah. have been well Beer past canceled. that feud uh, for a long, long time. And last year when they were building up that idea or the year before or whatever, when they were doing the whole like the, the two best friends might break up. I was just like, oh, my God, can you just do it already and just get it over with? I don't care about the whole teasing that they would do that. They did put a lot of effort in. Uh, well, they didn't put a lot of effort. They put a lot of time <laughs> into setting up the tension between them before. And I kind of feel like to a certain extent, if you've been watching long enough, you don't need a big build for that. Of course, every show could potentially be somebody's first show. And that's why they do the whole like video packages that remind you of everything every 20 minutes and stuff. But that in itself kind of already did most of the build. Like we've seen them feud. We've seen them do their whole takeover thing. Then we saw them become friends. They've been friends for a bunch of years. We saw some tension. They won the tag titles. They were, they did the whole potential tension last year where Sasha could come back and she could turn on Bailey, but they didn't. Then they've been together and all this. All I got to do is just do video packages and they could very easily get away with Banks wins the Elimination Chamber and they go, well, how's this going to work out? And whatever. And then Bailey attacks her or something. And you, know, you think that you're going to get the one up on me? Well, I'm going to do that to you or, you know, however they want to do it because WWE, yeah, they don't make every WrestleMania match mean everything because they just care primarily about the biggest couple of matches, but they know that that's the case. Like they might not make Ryback versus Mark Henry the way that everybody kind of was expecting Ryback to win the title from big show and make this big crowning achievement and all this, or, the shield against uh, Kane and the new age outlaws or, you know, anything that on paper doesn't seem like the biggest deal in the world. But I feel like every WrestleMania, they at least in their minds, they feel like those matches mean a lot and something like the Andre. Yeah. They don't care about that in the slightest. It, they wait probably until like two days before the show and then they go, how oh, about this person wins? But Naomi and Bailey, if that was the match that they were going to go with, I feel like they just wouldn't have done that at Super Showdown. Like if they would have had Carmella and Bailey happen here, because remember that match just happened. It wasn't like that was a four weeks ago and they needed to figure out something else in the meantime. They very easily could have just said, well, we'll wait two weeks. And when uh, Carmella won that number one contender spot, we already knew Super Showdown was happening. We already knew that that was a potential spot, but they chose not to do it there. So if we would have gotten Carmella and Bailey here, I think that I would have been like, okay, they're saving Naomi and they're just doing that at Mania. But now that they did the Naomi thing, I'm like, all right, well, they're getting that out of the way to move the Sasha Banks thing in there. Because once Naomi loses at Super Showdown, you don't need to do anything else about it. It could just be Naomi, Carmella, Lacey, and so on and so forth. The next week on SmackDown, they're the ones that are fighting for the Elimination Chamber spot. Sasha Banks wins. From March 8th onward, that's the Banks feud. You know what I mean? And in that time frame, they just uh, go along with it and they just kind of rush it because they've focused more time on other things. And we've had the week before Mania and they've tried to build a feud, you know? What was I that? think we'll know a lot by whether or not she loses clean. Because if she loses clean, yeah, then, that's it. then you're you're out of any answer. 
Wasn't so, the Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins revival thing last year, didn't they only build that on a YouTube video after Monday Night Raw the week of WrestleMania? Pretty much, yeah. Probably. So it's like, for them to think that they can get away with doing the Sasha Banks and Bailey thing for a month between March 8th and April, I think that they have the confidence that they can do that. I don't have the confidence oh. in them. <laughs> Well, no, <laughs> you know. but that also leads me to believe they have the confidence that they can do this match between Bailey and Naomi at Super Showdown and then also do it at WrestleMania and people won't care. That's true. <laughs> so I'm, I'm ultimately going Bailey retains here and she, even if she doesn't win clean, she wins in a way that they just move on. I still think Bailey wins, but I don't think this is over just yet. And I agree with Cal. Well, talking about things that aren't just over, the steel cage match between King Corbin and Roman Reigns, this feud has gone on since... Was it, like, it feels uh, like the start of my life. Yeah, 20, <laughs> 2016 maybe or something like this. It seemed like they had built it up long enough that it should have ended at TLC. Like that that was a logical end point because it had gone on long enough. This was before Survivor Series. Because I do remember them doing the whole like... I should be the head of the Survivor Series team and not you and like that all thing. So this is at the very latest November. I'm pretty sure it was October. It might have even been September. Fuck, it might have even been August, actually. I don't remember what was uh, going down at SummerSlam. It literally began with the last Saudi show. With the whole... So October. You're, you're a locker room leader and... Yet there's so much dissension in the locker room, blah, blah, blah. That's how it started. And that was, that was October, I think. So yep. it's been you? going on November, December, January, February. It's like for a four-month-long feud, this just feels like it just never ends. And I don't think that this is a good enough ending to it, but at the same time, I don't care. Just end it. You know, I'd be this totally be fine. This one-on-one end of it. Well, see, the issue I have with this is a steel cage match used to be the type of thing that you would consider a potential ender for feuds. Nowadays, it doesn't matter as much. And for these two people, their feud has not been the type of thing that the strength of it has been the in-ring action where you're like, you know, if this was like, even though we never saw it, I would just assume like Kurt Angle versus Bret Hart. I would assume if those two had feuded, you could have had so many different matches that revolved around them just wrestling and people would be like, I want to see a two out of three falls match. I want to see an I quit match. I want to see whatever Corbin and Reigns. They needed those gimmicks. They needed to go outside and brawl and they did that at TLC. They did that at Royal Rumble. This match is the counterproduction of that. Every match that they've had on pay-per-view or on SmackDown has revolved around the idea that they can go outside of the ring and use weapons and such. This time, it's like, I know how we'll end this feud. They can't even go outside of the ropes. Oh, God. This is the match I'm least looking forward to. Not because I think that Corbin's bad, because I don't. Not because I think that Roman Reigns is bad, because I don't. But because I'm so goddamn sick and tired of it. And the last possible means for me to want to see this end is a straight up normal wrestling match. Cause the cage doesn't matter. How many cage matches have we seen where it's just a regular match 
except every once in a while, they grab the other one's head and they pretend to throw them into the side. That's what we're going to get here. The only way this doesn't end up being like that is if Corbin attacks Reigns before they get into the steel cage and they brawl ahead of time. Reigns has to win it, though. It has to be the end of this. If this is not, and they've already advertised it as the end of this feud, if they still want these guys to continue doing this beyond just interacting in the Elimination Chamber, good God, you know? Yeah, I can probably pretty much echo everything that Tony said. This feud's gone on way too long, and I wasn't super excited about it to begin with. But yeah, they've dragged it on and on and on. It's probably it's one of the contributory reasons why SmackDown has been so terrible recently. Is this feud being kind of front and center on top of it? I mean, I used to think that Raw was Raw's an hour longer than SmackDown, and yet that Raw just seems to go by so much quicker than SmackDown does. And it's not entirely down to this feud, but this feud is definitely a big contributor to it. And yeah, I'm not looking forward to them like grappling in the middle of the ring for 15 to 20 minutes, occasionally Irish whipping each other into the steel cage, Corbin trying to escape every now and again, and Reigns pulling him back down. And they'll probably do the spot at the end where they're both climbing over, or Corbin's trying to get to the door and Reigns is climbing over the top, and oh, who will hit the whose feet will hit the floor first, that type of thing. It's just, yeah, it's it's got zero interest to me. At least the other matches, even though some of the other matches might be like worse in ring-wise, this match has got absolutely zero interest for me. If they go with uh, Escape the Cage, which I love, by the way, like uh, the Cody and Wardlow thing, they made a point out of being like, you can't escape the cage, this is how it should be, pinfall. I'm like, that gives it something different. Uh, that's why I like that. I like well, when you can win matches through alternative means other than that, because if it's, it has to be settled with pinfall or that's the uh, hell in a cell at that point. Like, so make that different. Like the steel cage escape thing. It's a different way to win. And I enjoy that, but this match cannot have that finish. They need Corbin to take a pinfall. There's nothing I can say that these two men did not already say perfectly. I'm not as down on this particular match. Because I think it's fine. It's a very old school. It's like Hogan versus Earthquake. It's cage match. You'll see a heel, you know, get heat by dragging the baby face's face across the cage. Reigns will inevitably bounce him around the place. Superman punch, Superman punch, spear. One, two, three. I hope it's the end of it because there's literally nowhere else to go. Other than, of course, them being in the chamber together. But it's got to be done here. I would really love it if this match was like 10 minutes long. And we have two other matches on the card that I think are going to be sub 10 minutes too. So it's just sort of like, you know what? Just give me give me a quick pay-per-view. You know? I'm going to need this At to this be three point, and a half hours. that fucking gauntlet is going to be an hour long. No, that's the thing that worries me is that certain matches are going to be short, and so these two are probably going to be given, hey, you got 20 minutes, 25 minutes, just go out, put him in a headlock for a while, Corbin. Yeah. I hope not. I hope that they just get it, get it in, get it out, that kind of thing. What's the thing that Billy Ray had said? uh, Get in, get on, get off, get out. (laughs) I wonder what annoys me with Corbin is prior to them realizing that he could have a little bit of charisma and play a chicken shit. 
I liked the idea of Corbin as a, you know, seven foot badass dude. And now it's just like, I have no interest in seeing you play the cowardly heel. You're huge. Be huge. Ah, Everything about King Corbin really doesn't sit well. The SmackDown tag titles are on the line. New Day against John Morrison and The Miz. This is one of the few matches that I'm really, really looking forward to. And if they do give a lot of time to something, give it to this one. I think that they can pull that off. I got a feeling that Morrison can do a lot of interesting things with Kofi if they really want to play around with that. Uh, Big E can play the power, uh, power game. Miz can be the chicken shit. I'm just digging it. I love the New Day. I love Morrison and The Miz. So you give me two tag teams that I like a lot and you put them together, I'm going to enjoy it. And this is the title that I think is changing hands. New Day does not need those tag titles. And we talked about this on the hot tags. I feel very, very confident that no matter what kind of combination of people that we have, that The New Day and John Morrison and The Miz are going to be in the tag title match at Mania no matter what. I think the Deusos are as well. And then it's just a matter of, do you add Corbin and Rude? Do you add the Revival? Or do you not need anybody else? And you just have New Day, Usos, and Morrison and Miz. But I kind of feel like uh, part of what can transition to that point is Morrison and the Miz winning the titles here. So I'm going to go with them winning. I think we're getting new tag, uh, tag team champs. I like Morrison and Miz. I like the, the New Day. This is the match for me that I'll probably enjoy the most because I'm just a fan of all four. But I'm going to agree with Tony. I think Miz and Morrison win it here. I can't say I'm looking forward to this match the most because the Miz is in it. And so it's going to, he's, he's always the factor that drags down. Any match that this, any sort of combination, this match, he'll be the factor that drags it down a little bit. He'll obviously do his like the play acting and the the more heelish stick, but it it means that this match won't. I don't think this match will be as good in ring wise as the other tag team title match on the card. Uh, I feel like it's probably pretty likely that the Miz and Morrison win the titles here. It's it's it just depends on whether they want to drag it out to Elimination Chamber and do it there. And that's kind of the factor with pretty much any title match that's going on here that might happen afterwards. Like I feel I feel like this match is gonna happen at Elimination Chamber no matter what. And it probably makes more sense if it's a rematch for like the New Day trying to win the titles back. So if that's to be the case, then Miz and Morrison should probably win the title here. I actually think I'm leaning more towards the idea that the Usos get the match at Elimination Chamber. That's what I was going to say. And then that's they could, how they, they kind of... I mean, they don't do rematches anymore, do they? Yeah, quote-unquote, they don't. But Goldberg but, is getting his rematch. Cause... Yeah. You know. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, New Day loses, John Morrison and The Miz win the titles. They start doing something with the Usos. The Usos get a tag title match. They retain against the Usos, but it's something weird that happens. And then you get... The next week on SmackDown, the New Day's like, hey, we want a shot at the belts. And the Usos are like, well, we got screwed. And then it's, well, you know, you both can whatever. And then Corbin and Rude or 
Revival come out and they're like, hey, fuck you, we should have a, a second heel team in here. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't, it wouldn't be that transparent, but that's basically what it would be. And then that leads to, um, okay, well, the next week on SmackDown or this week on SmackDown, we've got John Morrison and The Miz and the two other heels versus the New Day and the Usos. And, uh, you know, like they can play around with that kind of crap. And then we end up with a fatal four way at WrestleMania that'll go on after like one of the main event matches. Yep. And probably the Usos win those tag titles then or something. And then, you know, we play around after that point. We got that uh, two-wake, which I always want to say Kuwaiti uh, Cup, uh, the two-wake trophy gauntlet match. I didn't know what the hell this two-wake thing was at first. They, when, they, when they announced the whole idea of it, and they said, like, it's you know, to represent Mount Two-wake, it's a symbol of strength and whatever. I mean, I'm an ignorant American. I don't fucking pay attention to what happens in my own area, let alone the rest of my country, let alone the rest of my continent, let alone the rest of the world. I just don't care about that kind of stuff. And when people talk about landmarks and stuff, I mean, I've said this before, but like the amount of times that I've been to New York, I've been within like like a hand distance of the Empire State Building. Like I could reach over and touch it and I didn't bother to look up. I don't care about landmarks. So I never heard of Mount to wake before. And I certainly didn't do some kind of deep dive into the idea of like the history of this means this, and this is a symbol. Of, I don't give a shit. doesn't matter what country it is. So to me, this symbol doesn't mean anything. And it's funny because that is the running theme of these. We had the greatest Royal rumble, which included a trophy and a championship that we never saw again. And then we had the World Cup to determine the best in the world. And they actually did quite a bit with that, admittedly. That was something that Vince, uh, not Vince, <laughs> Shane McMahon really kind of kept bringing to the forefront. Then we had the biggest battle royal, which you didn't get any kind of a prize out of that, but it was that gimmick match for that. Same as the whole tournament thing for the World Cup. Then we had another World Cup for the greatest tag team in the world. And they have referenced that quite a bit too. So it seems like they're really kind of, they like the world cup, <clears throat> excuse me, at the very least. And this is going to be the new world cup, or at least for this thing, but it's a gauntlet match, which means it's just going to be a series of singles matches. That's nothing all that impressive. There's no like tweak to the formula. There's no different interesting way to win this or anything. Agree or disagree. What do you guys think? It would have been better if they would have done a scramble just to be like, Hey, do you remember the scrambles? They're kind of fun. I don't think they remember the scrambles. That's the problem. You can't really do a scramble if there's no title on the line. You could just say the interim winner of the trophy. I guess so. Just uh, we have a set time limit of 20 minutes or whatever. And the person who's got the number one, uh, got the pinfall is the number one rank out of the thing of that. Not that they would need to rank the rest of them, but you know, like that kind of thing. You're the current winner of this match and then you got to hold on to it until whatever, like same thing. Yeah. Uh, It probably wouldn't have interested me anymore than what they currently have. I mean, maybe at least it's something that they haven't done in a while, but they've had some decent Gauntlet matches recently, so I don't feel like it's the worst idea in the world. This is the AJ Styles show, right? He 100% winning this. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. There's yeah. no chance anybody. It's amazing though. Like, six guys, and most of these guys are actually pretty good or have been pushed pretty well. But yeah, everyone knows that AJ is winning this one. It is weird that it's all raw, but then again, that shows the whole idea of them keeping people on SmackDown separate. It is interesting that we had Rusev in this, and they decided to cancel that and replace him with Rey Mysterio. But when they replaced him with Rey Mysterio, they did it very half-assed. They did that in the middle of another promo switchover from a commercial type thing. They didn't even replace him on the graphic. It's just one of those messes where they're just kind of like, yeah, you're like, wait, what did you say? And they're like, just figure it out. Like that kind of thing. So here's how I'm thinking this is going to play out. Knowing the way that WWE tends to do some of these things. They have pushed Andrade, Lashley, Rowan, etc. All these things for a little bit. Bobby Lashley and R-Truth happened on Monday Night Raw and Bobby Lashley won. I think you start this off with Lashley and R-Truth. R-Truth beats Bobby Lashley. Andrade comes in, beats R-Truth. Rey Mysterio beats Andrade. Uh, Eric Rowan comes in and Rey Mysterio beats Eric Rowan as well. And at that point, or you, you flip it, you know, Rowan beats R-Truth, Rey Mysterio beats Rowan, Andrade comes in, Rey Mysterio beats. Point being, Rey Mysterio beats Andrade and Eric Rowan. Maybe even Bobby Lashley. You know what? Maybe they even do Lashley and R-Truth starts off. Lashley comes in, beats uh, beats him. Rey Mysterio comes in, beats Lashley, Andrade, and Eric Rowan. Just so at that point, Mysterio has wrestled more than his fair share and Styles can swoop in and win and what a bastard, you know? Yeah, I yeah. kind of see that exact structure happening. But yeah. in my mind, when I was booking, well, just fantasy booking the match, I thought, yeah, you start with Bobby Lashley and R-Truth, and Bobby Lashley dominates him for a while, but he poses for Lana or something like that. He's celebrating, and then R-Truth rolls him up and gets the win. Because R-Truth is famous for the roll-up. That's how he won all his 24-7 championships. And so then you have him face. I, I went with Rowan just because they seem to be pushing him a bit heavier. So you get you give Rowan the win, big win over our truth. Then Rey Mysterio comes in, beats Rowan. Then they have you have the good, the, well, the best match out of probably this entire combination, which would be Andrade versus Mysterio. You have Mysterio beat Andrade because that puts him back into the US title picture. Yep. And then AJ Styles wins the match because Undertaker's cut, turn, coming up to coming into Saudi Arabia and he's going to be setting up that match. I assume. That's what I was going to ask. Do you think we see the Undertaker here? Lights go out. Lights on. Well, he's traveling to Saudi Arabia. Well, yeah. So mm-hmm. if he, if he's if he's traveling to Saudi Arabia, it's probably it's very likely that he's going to do something. But he there. was there for the last one too. I don't think that's a guarantee that he pops up, but there is a good chance because especially if they do something like Styles wins and cuts a promo afterward, like they do that whole like celebration and well, now you won the Twig Trophy, and he's just like you know oh, that's because I'm the best and I'm the actual phenom and with that kind of and then the Undertaker comes out, they could do that, and that can get that big pop, you know, then they run footage of that on Raw, and it's, oh my god, the, the Styles and the Undertaker, oh, that kind of thing. Oh, but, is that how they're building it? That, that's how they're going to build it? The Phenom versus the Phenomenal? Yeah, that, right itself. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, the thing that I don't think makes that guarantee, though, is they have been doing this whole thing with Ricochet, and 
they could just kind of do both at the same time. Like Ricochet's been fighting the OC while he's supposed to be doing this feud with Brock Lesnar that they just completely don't give a shit about because they're just like, yeah, Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre, and Ricochet's like, well, I'm here, like you know. <laughs> but uh, the the whole setup of this has to be that AJ Styles wins, and then you got the OC has the World Cup and the Twig Trophy. You know, like it's just it has to happen, and for that matter. Between R-Truth and Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio is the guy that you give the longer run to, and he either beats all three of the heels other than Styles, or he beats two of them, because that's just, that's the the basic way to structure this, and any other way that they would do that would just seem strange. Which is not about their means. No, I mean, they very easily could do some kind of weird thing where it's like, you start off with Andrade and Eric Rowan, and you're like, all right, you know, <laughs> there's the whole thing off, but, you know, I think I we're all quite... in agreement there. Styles wins without a doubt, at the very least. I feel like it's quite funny how we've nearly, like, come a full circle for, obviously, nearly a year on from last year's WrestleMania, and after essentially going their separate ways at the end of at the end of WrestleMania, it looks like we're probably going to end up with some combination of Ricochet and Alistair Black teaming together against uh, the Good Brothers. Oh my god, yeah. Just like, oh yeah, we decided to split them up and put them in their own ways as a tag team. They'll oh, be we're the just going to bring them together as a tag team right before <laughs> WrestleMania again. And just... I would assume that Alistair Black would have been a part of this two-week trophy thing if they would have let him on the show. Yeah. Well, I... Darn tattoos. I would I would be surprised if they'd have put him in this match because if they'd have put him in this match he would have won. I don't think because they they they're not going to have. Well, I say they're not going to have his first defeat. They had the Viking Raiders lose their first match in the yeah. in these sort of this sort of match. So maybe they could have done. Uh, He's lost on the main roster. Yeah, he hasn't lost a singles match. He lost all those tag team matches though. So yeah, I but mean, he, like, never, he's not, he was never but he was never pinned in one of those matches. He wasn't. It was always yeah. Ricochet that got pinned. Huh. So, he. I think he. I'm pretty sure. Like someone can like put it down in the comments if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that he's not been pinned on the main roster. I'm gonna try to look this up real quick, just because now I'm curious. Because that's why I feel it's so interesting that he's having this match with AJ Styles on Raw next week because, like, he's he's pretty much undefeated. They had him go through rowing the other undefeated guy on the roster for a bit. And yeah, but you're yeah. in Brooklyn. You can do lights out, lights on, Undertaker, and Brooklyn will pop. Oh yeah, I'm not saying that you, you can't do that there. It's just a case of are they actually going to have? I know because they're pushing AJ for a match with the Undertaker, but they've got Alistair Black who they're trying. They put a lot of time and effort into. Are they going to have Styles be the one to just end his streak on Raw? Who's got the uh, the jug that they're playing in the background? <laughs> <laughs> just hearing. <Ooh>. I... <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking on uh, Cage match right now. He has won every single singles match, and the only matches that he has lost are tag team ones, but of course they don't say who took the pinfall. But the last time that he lost a match, other than the Royal Rumble, just any match on TV or pay-per-view was... The Revival oh. and the Viking Experience beat uh, Alistair Black, Kurt Hawkins, Ricochet, and Zack Ryder. So I would assume, of course, Ryder or Hawkins took that pin. Yeah. Yeah, that was right after Mania, wasn't it? 
yeah, that was probably the, I think that was the night exactly after because that was the, that's when they that came was the one and only the time they were called they were called yeah that was the one and only time they were called the Viking Experience. Yeah, so I mean, other than the tag team matches, he hasn't lost anything on the main roster other than the Royal Rumble as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I still think that they could have done something where, like, Aleister Black could have been in the Rey Mysterio spot or something like that, but at the very least, we know that this is how AJ Styles wins, so. Then we get the two main event matches, quote-unquote. The WWE Championship match, that one is very different than the Universal Championship match. One of them is extremely easy to predict, and the other one, who the fuck knows? Can we just kind of skip to the point and say, bro, well, we all agree Brock Lesnar's beating Ricochet. There's absolutely not one, even 1% chance that Ricochet wins, right? Do you think it goes longer than five minutes? Uh, yeah, that's probably the more interesting question. It's, it's not a case of like, who's going to win because we know Brock Lesnar's going to win. But what sort of, what, what type of match is this going to be? Or how long is it going to be? How much offense is Brock going to give Ricochet? There's two schools of thought for this, I think. One is... They have not given Ricochet the slightest bit of attention with this. I mean, he's feuding with the OC just for something to do. And uh, I believe it was Tiffany on a wrestling news. Uh, we're answering our roundtable stuff that had brought out the point of view of, hey, this guy took like 10, 15 minutes to beat Carl Anderson. He can't put that good of a fight up against Brock Lesnar if this was not kayfabe and everything like that. But do they do the whole thing where they've been putting such little attention on him because they just do not care? So they want Brock Lesnar to absolutely utterly destroy Ricochet and bury the living shit out of him just because their only point of view of this is we want Brock to look as strong as possible. Or did they do that? Because, well, if we make it seem like Brock has absolutely no, uh, issues with ricochet and we'll surprise them because we'll have an eight minute match and ricochet will actually put on a little bit of offense and that'll be interesting i don't know if i want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they'll go with the latter i'm leaning more towards the former of just that ricochet just gets completely and utterly embarrassed i think even if it goes even if he gets offense it still goes five minutes like they do a thing where bell rings he hits a high kick lesnar takes a bump uh 450 one, two, kick out. Brock Lesnar gets up, mauls him, F5, and we're out of there. Yeah, it's it's, it's not going to be... It's, I don't think it's going to be especially long, but it'll be kind of the high-octane, high-action thing that you kind of expect from a Lesnar match. So Lesnar will throw him about a bit, then Ricochet will flip out of the German suplex, do a few like high spots, a few like dives onto Lesnar to knock him a bit. He gets on his back, he hits 630, Lesnar kicks out after two, you get that home spot. The one thing I kind of want to see is Ricochet's doing some sort of shooting star press from the top rope and he's caught into an F5 out of that. Oh. That'd be awesome. You, yeah, basically I want to see what ridiculous thing they come up with to put Ricochet into the F5. That's kind of... I, I, I know it's obviously this match doesn't have a lot of stakes. Well, it has the WWE Championship on the line but we know that it's a foregone conclusion who's going to win. So we might as well kind of just enjoy what we get out of it. And this is an opportunity for Ricochet to just go out there, go balls to the wall because Lesnar, Lesnar would, I think we'll give him a few bits and pieces. He likes working with smaller guys. We've seen that before. And Ricochet is 
a perfect opponent for him because he can ragdoll him as much as he possibly wants because Ricochet will just take that. And yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to what they produce, even though there's absolutely zero jeopardy in the match. I'm going into this expecting that it's not even anywhere as close as Finn, uh, Finn Balor, Daniel Bryan, or AJ Styles. And I think that if people are expecting that, they're going to be disappointed. So the problem I have with these kind of things is Ricochet is a guy that I feel like can go further than what they keep wanting him to go. And if I thought that I could trust WWE to job him out here, I mean, it's not jobbing, it's Brock Lesnar. Like the dude's the most protected, best built up person in WWE history for the most part, other than potentially Hulk Hogan. But like, he has more of a track record of being undefeatable or unbeatable and undefeated than Stone Cold Steve Austin does. Like, that's saying a lot. You lose to Brock Lesnar, it doesn't matter. It's not like you're like, oh my God, you got your ass whooped. And this means that Kofi Kingston, his thing was just sort of like what everybody saw through that. Everybody saw that that was the company doing that, not a matter of booking Kofi in a, a bad way. But my issue is that I don't have any faith that WWE would take a whole embarrassed ricochet thing and then go, but let's try to figure out a way to rehab them after that point. I think that they would look at that as, well, Brock Lesnar's got to look strong and ricochet. Sorry, pal. And then they would go, we'll figure it out. And then they just don't. So then by the time WrestleMania comes around and ricochet doesn't have an important match and He's just another name in the battle royal that they don't even really bother to announce ahead of time. And he went, he loses that battle royal and all that. Post WrestleMania, everybody's like, oh, Ricochet, the guy who got his ass whooped at Super Showdown and then didn't do anything for the next two months. Yeah, okay, fine. I don't give a shit. And that's what annoys me about those scenarios. I don't think that Ricochet should almost beat Brock Lesnar or anything because the stronger that Lesnar looks, the better it is for Brock to lose at WrestleMania and make Drew McIntyre look better. But at least make Ricochet not get completely embarrassed. You know what I mean? Like, I think that you can have your cake and eat it too. And I just hope that they don't look at this as so black and white as they often do, where it's just like, no, Ricochet can't get a freaking poke in kind of a thing. You know? They got potential. Like, this match be a one sided. I don't think it'll be as one sided as you expect it to be. I hope not. Yeah. Because I feel, because I feel like they know, they know that everyone knows how much of a foregone conclusion this is. That they'll try and make it good. Yeah, I hope that that's the case. But ultimately, it's Brock Lesnar wrecks the shit out of him, and that's the end of it. You know. Oh yeah, and I'm looking forward to that as almost as much as I want to see as what is, what Ricochet does, because I love Brock Lesnar killing people. Ricochet, by the way, very close to wrecks the shit. <laughs> Said that while I was looking at the <laughs> Brock Lesnar versus wrecks the shit. And um, as much of a foregone conclusion as that is, we can't say the same about Bray Wyatt versus Goldberg because there has been a lot of scuttlebutt about Goldberg beating Bray Wyatt. And again, we talked about this a little bit on the hot tags, but Callum didn't get to voice his opinion yet about the idea that we could get the match that I still kind of think that we're getting of Bray Wyatt defending the Universal Championship against Roman Reigns after Reigns wins the Elimination Chamber. But we could get Goldberg defending the title against Reigns after Reigns wins the Elimination Chamber. Or we could get Goldberg defending the title against John Cena. And he could be 
the surprise Elimination Chamber person, or we could get John Cena versus Bray Wyatt, and the title's not on the line. Or we could get John Cena versus Elias, and there's all this whole rigmarole about the idea. Rigmarole. <laughs> Fucking old <laughs> am I. Jesus. <laughs> they're having a Donnybrook here. Uh, <laughs> you know. And then they're going to go to a box social. Jesus. Uh, they know Danny Hodge was competing in this match. Hell of a grip. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, George Hackenschmidt Invitational is going to be contested here. Look, the Bray Wyatt match, no matter who it is, I've said this for a while, not a big Bray Wyatt fan. And I, I kind of want to start there. Um, you guys have fully come around to Tony was right about Bray Wyatt, right? <laughs> You've got no proof. You've got no video recording of it. That's right. <laughs> Up yours, Tony. <laughs> well, um, little did you know I was recording before the podcast started. It's, it's... <laughs> ah, insert clip of us saying you were right. Yeah. But no, Bray Wyatt to me is totally dead in the water. He's become an even less special character than he was when he had the family in the lantern. But the funhouse segments are fun. I feel like they're really proud of Oh, but these are really good character building segments. Yeah, for the record, I still, uh, uh, from the very start, I've been a fan of Firefly Funhouse. I still think that that's cool. I just hate the fiend and his matches. <laughs> that's what I, I want to talk about because we have Goldberg, who mainly goes five minutes and wrecks shit. Then you have the fiend, who can't go much longer and doesn't sell a damn thing either. What do you, where's the common ground here? Let's be honest. Goldberg's prime was over 20 years ago. Yes. Go Goldberg is by no means Daniel Bryan. And I don't think Daniel Bryan got a good match out of, a, a great match, I should say, out of Bray Wyatt. So at this point, I don't feel like anybody can really get a great match out of Bray Wyatt. And if you put Bray Wyatt and Goldberg together, you get a guy who pretty much no sells against a guy who no sells <laughs> well here's here's my point of view on this you say yes that goldberg is not daniel bryan in the ring but daniel bryan is not goldberg and and, and what i'm saying with that is that the goldberg match in my point of view is one of the most perfect matches in wrestling history because and you you can't do it with everybody you have to have the right guy, and Goldberg is the right guy. The The squash matches that he does are better than a lot of matches I've seen go 20, 20 to 30 minutes. You, you know you know what card could have used the Goldberg match? That takeover, that last takeover. Because, yeah, there were loads of really great matches, but it was overkill. There were too many matches that went too long. And so you kind of just need a palate cleanser like a guy like Goldberg squashing someone in three minutes. And that's why I'm actually looking forward to this because I'm, I've come around to the idea of, yeah, Goldberg is Goldberg is great. And I want to see more of Goldberg. And I don't want to say I want to see more of Goldberg. It's not a case of I want to see him every week because we know that's not possible. And then having him on every week ruins his appeal or the mystery or the, just the, the specter of Goldberg goes away if he's on every single week. 
<laughs> just... but every now and again he needs to be he needs to be a part of the WWE for as long as he can essentially stand or move or keep that presence about him instead of doing the whole like you know coming up after the break is going to be whatever this kind of thing uh smackdown rolls on they just keep showing him and he just go, keeps going i'm next <laughs> just over and over again <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think that might be a little bit overkill but i, I don't know how this match is going to go and i don't think it's going to be great but I lean that more to the idea that that's because Bray Wyatt's in the match rather than Goldberg being in the match. Which I'm Did sure I mention a lot of people I hate Tony talk- for speaking that into existence? Yeah, and I'm sure that's a lot of people might be listening to this thinking that's some sort of blasphemy or something like that. That, oh, surely you must be like Goldberg's crap in the ring. Goldberg's never been crap in the ring. He does his match and his match is perfect the way that it needs to be. It's not for everybody. I mean, Tony, you've watched like some Kazuchika Okada matches. You can't say any of them as your favorite matches of all time, right? Right. But they're like, and they're like 30, 40 minute epics. And like other people would look at that and say, that's the greatest match of all time. So certain people, and I feel like they're, they're justified in this opinion, have probably seen like a Goldberg, saw those Goldberg Brock Lesnar matches. And some of them probably think, well, they have some of my favorite matches of all time. And I don't think they're wrong for having that opinion. Yeah. It's not my opinion, but I, mean, I don't think that's, that's, that, I don't think that's an incorrect opinion. For that I matter, don't think this is going to be anywhere near that because it's got Bray Wyatt in it. For that matter, like when they did the whole thing with uh, Undertaker and Goldberg, and it ended up being a major, major shit show, and they followed it up with Dolph Ziggler. Like, I enjoyed the Dolph Ziggler getting destroyed by Goldberg thing. Like, yeah, there's there's value to that kind of thing, and normally in that kind of a scenario, like if you take the Universal Championship out of this and you take Bray, Bray Wyatt out of it, and you put Goldberg versus uh, I don't know. Um, I'd say Roman Reigns. You do that. No, I mean, like, not even a big guy. Like, um, oh, okay. Just kind of somebody who he could squash and that it's not going to be like, oh, you just ruin this person kind of a thing or something. Roman like Reigns. Heath Slater. Actually, not even like a Heath Slater because that's that's so low that people would just be like, oh, I don't even want to bother with it. But like, I'll even go so far as to say Ken Corbin. Like, now I'm a more of an apologist for Ken Corbin than most people are. But, like, if you oh, were I, to say Goldberg versus King Corbin and try to build it up, because that's Corbin, despite the fact that he's got a lot of detractors, he has a lot of accolades and he is a big guy and he could beat Goldberg. If he beat him, I would not be shocked in some kind of a scenario because he, you know, he beat Kurt Angle in his uh, his retirement match and stuff. But if you were to do Corbin versus Goldberg and have Goldberg just beat the shit out of Corbin in three minutes, I'd be cool with it. You know, my issue, though, is if Wyatt and Goldberg have a match and they have more than a squash, it's going to be atrocious. Yeah, that's and if they have a squash, you have to squash one of these two people that you shouldn't squash. Like if Bray Mm -hmm. Wyatt beats Goldberg like that, it kind of sucks because it's like, well, Goldberg's whole appeal is that he can't be squashed, you know? Like, he lost to Brock Lesnar pretty quickly, sure, but it's Brock fucking Lesnar. When you are an AJ Styles or a John Cena and you lose to The Undertaker, it's The Undertaker. It's okay. And if you got somebody like an Elias who is, um, you know, somebody who is a big guy and he's got some potential and all that stuff, and if he fights John Cena and John Cena beats the crap out of him, it's John Cena. It's okay. But... uh. 
Goldberg and Bray Wyatt, like that whole thing is if Bray Wyatt loses to Goldberg in a couple seconds, they spent all this time, all this money, all these investments for him to just get his ass kicked by Goldberg and then have a non-title match at WrestleMania. At that point, I'm like, that's why it's hard to get invested in people because you're you're blatantly saying even if we put in all the time and effort on a popular person to invest in them, when push comes to shove, we're just going to go, never mind, the older stars matter more. And then when people start complaining and go, they don't push the younger people, you look at an example of that and you go, yeah, they don't. Of course, for investors and stuff, you got to argue. But Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns or Goldberg versus Roman Reigns if one of the two matters more and gets more people invested, you kind of have to go with it because you're a company that's supposed to make money. And I can see a lot of arguments for a lot of things, but I ultimately feel like Goldberg squashing Bray Wyatt here does more harm than it does good for the certain amount of time of Goldberg wins the title and drops it to Roman Reigns or John Cena at WrestleMania. Then you're prioritizing one buy rate over the rest of your year. The, the rest of your year and all the investment you've put in over the past bunch of months and all the people that have been involved in that because ultimately it does matter. Like people might go, yeah, but nobody's gonna care because they're just gonna care about the Goldberg thing and then they'll move on and they'll figure it out. If that's the case, then why are people still sharing for Daniel Bryan after the whole yes movement? They didn't just move on. People do get invested in these things and they do carry things forward. And there are people that chant Husky Harris because they didn't forget about Bray Wyatt's old character. So if they're chanting things from, you know, eight years ago or whatever it was, people remember. And when you tell them that Bray Wyatt was important enough to beat these other people, but not important enough to get that WrestleMania match, then when they do Bray Wyatt versus John Cena or Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns as the next challenger when Roman Reigns is the champion, people are going to go, doesn't matter, Bray Wyatt lost. He's a nobody. He's not going to beat Roman Reigns. Boo, Roman Reigns. Oh, he's the, you know, you couldn't have given the title match to Bray Wyatt. He should have beaten Roman Reigns at Mania. Then you're stuck at the same Roman Reigns getting booed thing again, you know? What concerns me here is that I'm not fully convinced they don't try to do some kind of shitty thing where, oh, they wrestle to a double DQ. And God, that would be worse than anything else. But you again, you have Goldberg, who it is easily one of the most believable characters in the history of the industry against Bray Wyatt, who you can argue is like this new monster character, but do you sacrifice your new character for the sake of going, yeah, but you'll have more fun with Goldberg at WrestleMania, guys. Come on, guys. You know what it is. We'll build Bray Wyatt back up for stomping grounds. I can see a good argument there. Personal bias aside, because yes, I am sick of, you know, newer characters getting pushed aside because ultimately the company constantly says, they're just not over enough and will never be over enough to warrant Goldberg not being here. Because if I'm going to go to WrestleMania and it looks like I might, 
I'd rather see Goldberg in the title match than The Fiend because The Fiend sucks right now. The Fiend is boring. The Fiend has no purpose other than to build to that first loss where he will inevitably lose all of his credibility afterwards anyway and then just become another character on the show. So if the first loss is to Goldberg, is it really the worst thing? I I don't know. This is a perplexing situation to me because until like three weeks ago, Goldberg versus Bray Wyatt wasn't on anybody's mind, let I mean, alone Goldberg versus John Cena. When they were still advertising that Super Showdown wasn't set for the 27th, the promotional material said Bray Wyatt versus Kane in an Inferno match. Right. And it really makes you think, like, do they scrap all those plans because they have Goldberg? I don't blame them if they do. Like, that's the, as much as I, you know, can say what I feel, I think ultimately, from an entertaining perspective and from a business perspective, Goldberg is the better bet. If they go with Goldberg, I can understand why. But at the same time, I hope that they have the foresight and the self-respective reflection to understand that if the negatives come out of that as well, they have nobody to blame but themselves for making that decision too. Same thing for the Bray Wyatt thing. If they go with Bray Wyatt and they go Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns and and ends up being not all that big of a deal, they are in control of this. You know, like they could have built up Bray Wyatt better. They could have built up Goldberg better. They could have done this. They could have done that. They don't have the type of problem that like an MMA has where when Ronda Rousey lost, she didn't matter as much. That's how it works. You know, like they can't tell somebody to let Roman, uh, to let Ronda Rousey win just to keep that train going. If they want to be legitimate, WWE can pick, they can build people. They can put up more posters. They can run more advertisements and stuff. And if they don't do a good enough job, it's their marketing department not doing it well enough, their creative team not doing well enough. So, yeah, it's kind of like, if you say to me, like, Goldberg versus Reigns means more, I can understand that point of view. But if people boo Roman Reigns because you didn't see the foresight of, well, people get mad when you take out the people that they kind of like and whatever, and then you push these other people instead... I don't know if we should go down that direction. Then you know what? You shouldn't have booked Bray Wyatt versus Goldberg. Well, let's try and round it off a little bit. So, first of all, I don't want to hear anything about this younger guy's bullshit because if you can bring in stuff that we said before the recording into this as well, I specifically asked you guys, if, the, if, if this was The Undertaker against Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship, you both would be more than happy for The Undertaker to win the championship against Bray Wyatt and take that into WrestleMania. If you, so, were to tell, if you were to tell me, for instance, that you wanted to switch things up or whatever and you're going to give the title... Well, I guess here's a, another way of wording this to kind of answer a lot of questions at one time. If you said... We don't want Bray Wyatt as champion going into Mania. Should we give it to Goldberg or should we give it to Undertaker? I'm picking Undertaker. If you tell me, look, we can have Bray Wyatt reigns, we can have Goldberg reigns, we can have Undertaker reigns. To be honest, I'd pick Bray Wyatt. 
because at least at that point they've went gone to a logical conclusion. And if you said to me, okay, it's Bray Wyatt versus Undertaker instead of Goldberg, and it would be Undertaker versus Reigns, I would go, no, give me Bray Wyatt instead, just like in that. But if you were to tell me that Bray Wyatt versus Undertaker would happen at Super Showdown and the winner would fight John Cena at WrestleMania, then you're getting me to go, okay, you know what? I think I'd go with Undertaker beating Bray Wyatt. And then you go Undertaker versus John Cena and John Cena gets that 17th title reign because I feel like that is a trade-off where you're getting something that's historic and John Cena also gets his win back from The Undertaker and you're getting a lot more out of that than you would be with Goldberg just dropping the title to Reigns, kind of. You know what I mean? I think without dealing with a ton of what-ifs, I will say this. Yeah, just like with The Undertaker, like I said, I can admit Goldberg is probably a more entertaining and a better business draw. But knowing that like WWE doesn't stop after Mania, then you go, well, maybe you just give it to Bray Wyatt because at the end of the day, you do have to eventually build to Extreme Rules and Stomping Grounds and all those other shows. It's it's a weird issue that WWE is always going to have. But at this moment, I am probably more over the Fiend match than I am the Goldberg match. What do you mean? If that makes sense. Like I'm more I'm more done seeing the hey, the fiend is gonna pop up and he's gonna uh, Yeah, you're I'm you're... more over that than seeing Goldberg have a five minute high octane fucking finisher fest with anybody. Cause like, I think match wise like match wise you'd rather see Goldberg versus Reigns be a short thing, but a lot of but in, intensity. Like rather than Brock and Goldberg at uh WrestleMania 33. I thought that match was great. I thought like it was short as fuck, but they accomplished everything they needed to accomplish. I think if you do Wyatt, you're dragging it out. And it's a slower plotting match. My main issue with Goldberg is that he gets to be fearless, and I wish current day guys were fearless, but that's a perspective thing, and that's my issue with that. But yeah, I. if you ask me what I want to see happen, I want to see Goldberg reigns WrestleMania Universal title. Yeah, and I, I follow that same mindset. My, the, the big, another big toy boat we haven't even discussed, and I know this is one that we've probably gone over with too many times anyway with this match, but there's that whole ESPN deal that's starting to like air up about whether WWE... If WWE somehow, and I don't think this is likely, but if they somehow manage to get a deal with ESPN really quickly for their pay-per-views and they get it to start at WrestleMania 36, then there's zero. Then then they would be absolutely stupid not to do Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. If they do that ESPN deal, Goldberg's winning, definitively. Yeah, yeah and obviously we won't know if they've got that deal until after this probably because it's very unlikely they'll announce i mean who knows that they might announce it in the next couple of days but i think that's unlikely so what do you think is better goldberg roman reigns or goldberg john cena goldberg cena goldberg cena is the bigger draw out of those two Mm -hmm. maybe they do that because they could very easily do goldberg cena 
and have Bray Wyatt screw Roman Reigns in the Elimination the chamber, chamber or something, and then, and then they that. just they do the match and the title's not on the line. And then you get back into the whole thing that happened with Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho and Goldberg and um, Lesnar, where it's like, I'd argue the whole, well, fuck, you could do Goldberg versus John Cena, not without the title on the line. And then it you could just do Wyatt and Reigns for the title and just say Goldberg fights John Cena and you'll watch it. You know, like we just it's just the thing that I'm struggling with in the mind going into this match is the fact that they've only had Goldberg lose twice since his since his like newfound return to Lesnar and to the Undertaker. Like every other up and coming guy he's faced, he's beaten. Because at the end of the day they they can obviously talk about how they will be trying to build new stars and they look towards the future, but at the end of the day they'll bring back the actual draws. Well, who, and did, who did Goldberg beat? He beat Owens. He's beaten Owens. He's beaten Ziggler. That's it, though, right? Like yeah, he's I mean, Le- he's outside Lesnar of the Lesnar thing, but that. So it's not like well, he he's hasn't been, wrestled, He hasn't wrestled that often. So, yeah. yeah. So it's not like there's. He's wrestled thirty matches and he's only lost two. Like no, but I feel like they've clearly positioned him as like he's only gets defeated by our top top guy yeah. or another legend, where he, like he's. He's over two again. Well, I'd say over two, but he's against legendary people. He's got a, a, um, a, a blemish track record, but against guys on the quote-unquote main roster, he's um, he's undefeated. So I just don't see. I mean, there's ve- there's a very good possibility because of the way they're building up the fiend that the fiend does just win this match, but I can't really visualize it. It almost feels like. I, part of me feels like it's more Gold, if Goldberg beats the Bray Wyatt, it does less damage to Bray Wyatt than if Bray Wyatt beats Goldberg. Well, there's also the champion's advantage. Oh, God. They could play into that and they yeah. could do one of those bullshit things where it's like Bray Wyatt loses this match and Goldberg is still technically winning. That's so much worse. But he, Bray Wyatt loses because he goes nuts and he gets disqualified because he uses a bunch of weapons and you know, beats the crap out of Goldberg or something, or they do something like, which I'm not like advocating these, but another option is Bray Wyatt and Goldberg fight on the outside. They count to 10 double count out, you know, like they can fuck around with it, especially Mm. if it's not the main event. Yeah. That matter too. Like they could, I mean, if they do Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania for the WWE universal championship, if that's not the main event, and they make it a bigger deal that it's Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre, then for the people that are saying, like, the Goldberg thing means more, well, again, we talked earlier, not every match at WrestleMania needs to be the biggest draw in the world. So it could be Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns, a guy you've built up a whole lot, and you're number one guy. That makes sense. It's not like it's, uh, you gotta get the title off of Wyatt kind of a thing. Hmm. Yeah, there's, there, I mean, I think the best thing that we could probably say about this match, because if we're not looking forward to the match itself in terms of quality... Yeah, I don't think any of us are. <laughs> no, but no, but the thing that it has over a lot of other matches on this card and a lot of other match and the other title match in particular is that this is completely unpredictable. Mm-hmm. It's... Like I am not in the slightest bit excited for this match, but I am extremely curious about the outcome of it. And that's... Or at least that's something to cling on to, but... Yeah, so... I almost feel like well, this is as close to 50-50 as you can get, really. Oh, 100%. I, 
I ultimately am leaning towards Bray Wyatt, but it's such a low margin that you can almost flip a coin. Like I, I think that the champion's advantage gives him a little bit extra, and the idea that Goldberg can lose to Bray Wyatt and it wouldn't seem like he lost to Apollo Crews or Shorty G or whoever, then... I may I'm a 60 40 maybe I'll go with Bray Wyatt 51 49 something like that but when push comes to shove gun to my head whatever you want to refer to it as I'm putting it out there I say Bray Wyatt retains he might not win the match but he retains gun to my head I'm going Goldberg yeah win, wins go the title or wins just the match wins, it may not be wins the title because if you do that then that's just Bad. I say Goldberg wins the belt. Uh, <laughs> it's it's difficult because like it's not even the fact of just like the Bray Wyatt wins or Goldberg wins. There's obviously like Tony says the very real possibility that there's no winner in this match at all. But in in such a scenario where it is just completely just throw blindly at a dartboard and see where it lands, I just go with the one that I want the most, and so I'm going with Goldberg winning the title. What do you think that there's a chance that we get this would seem kind of strange, but if they go with like Bray Wyatt wins and they know that that might be kind of, or like they do like a double DQ or something like that. Um, what if they go with like, okay, midway through the card, we do that one. We do the Brock Lesnar thing and all that. And the main event is the two wake trophy gauntlet match. So that way the very last thing of the card is AJ style celebrating in the undertaker pop. Yeah, they could probably do something like that. It's it's a match that has it, it has certain stakes to it, which are more, I guess, geographically central to the area. And no, I, I think I, th- I think there's a good chance that Brock Lesnar versus Rick shows the first match. Yeah, I agree with that because that, that's what I happened missed... like last time, wasn't it? He had the match with Cain Velasquez. I missed the much... Velasquez match because I was just coming upstairs and i was like oh brock already won wow <laughs> yeah i almost get the sense that brock lesnar is there like he he knows how much money he can make out of it but he also knows that he just wants to be in there get get out of there immediately and then get straight back out of the out of the country as quickly as he can well uh, and that's why he's the smartest man in wrestling <laughs> lana just posted on social media that she arrived in saudi arabia with naomi and there's the worst sandstorm in three years <laughs> but will this show be the worst shitstorm in three years? Super shit show. It might be. We all figure that out when it happens on Thursday. So even though the next time you guys are going to be hearing from us on this uh, YouTube channel and this podcast uh, side of things is uh, going to be the um, AEW Revolution pay-per-view predictions, we will on Thursday, do the coverage of Super Showdown and then the post-show. I didn't do any plugs in the meantime. I just realized that. But um, leave your comments below. Tell us your thoughts on all of the things that are going down with Super Showdown, all of your predictions and all your thoughts on our predictions and all that. Obviously, if you are not subscribed to the YouTube channel already, go ahead and do that. Ring that little bell for the notifications to be aware of when we post these predictions and post-show and other podcasts. And uh, like the video as well. That helps out quite a bit. 
If you are listening to us on Spotify or iTunes or Stitcher or any of that kind of stuff, leave a star rating or share us or something like that. That helps out quite a, a great amount. If you want more content from us in general, check out the Patreon. And if you donate even a dollar, it's greatly appreciated. But $10 gets you access to the Patreon-exclusive Dark Casts. The mailbag priority is also something to take advantage of if you want to pick our brains about something and you don't want to wait until the quarter two mailbag, which is happening around the after WrestleMania side of things in April. And then there's the pick your poison tier, which if you want to donate to that and request some kind of a gimmick or a special feature of some sorts, then we will get around to doing that as we alluded to with the idea of like, Hey, maybe you'll watch like a ruthless aggression pay-per-view or something like that. Like, you know, a, a particular match or something like that. Who knows? There's also fanboysanonymous.com, my website for geek culture topics, movie reviews, TV talk, anything else in that kind of spectrum you'll find over there. So check out fanboysanonymous.com and subscribe all over the place to that. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all the podcast things. And check out the merchandise shops on TeePublic and Redbubble for the Fanboys Anonymous and Smart Out Moment and a Mango Tease things because hey t-shirt designs and all the other kind of different products that they've got there lots of variety maybe you want to pick it up thumbs up as far as i'm concerned on that all that money goes towards making this show and all the other kinds of content on the a mango tree spectrum better and all your support helps out a lot uh you will hear from us with the revolution pay-per-view predictions you will hear from us on super showdown post-show and then AEW Revolution post-show, and then so on and so forth going forward. But those are my plugs. These guys have some other plugs as well to go around. So, Rob, hit them with yours. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DudeFelice. Check out WrestleZone.com. We may be doing a live watch-along with Super Showdown, so that'll be interesting. And check out Fightful.com and all the stuff that Sean and the team are building over there. Callum? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Wigmeister14 and check out all the weekly articles on smartcarmoment.com, including my contribution to the power rankings. And yeah, we well, can't wait to come back and talk about a show I'm actually looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you tomorrow, everybody, with these AEW Revolution pay-per-view predictions, and we'll carry on with all the other stuff I mentioned before. So just stay tuned, and we'll see you then. But for now, this has been another Smart Out Moment. And we're being counted out.